We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Day More NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Coming at you Wednesday night after a very, very bizarre game in Atlanta for the Wolves. A game the Wolves were winning by 12 at halftime and a game they were still winning by two when Anthony Edwards got ejected with six minutes left in the third quarter. Uh, if you watched the game, you saw that things totally unraveled from there for the Wolves and we'll of course get into how they unraveled, but... The unraveling was both on the refs for losing control of the game, even if they felt like they made the right calls, but also on the Wolves for letting the rope slip, never stopping uh, the Hawks' momentum after that point. And really, the Wolves never played much defense to stop the Hawks' momentum in general uh, tonight. It's it, it's hard to talk to talk about all this. It's it's complicated. The ant technical, the cat flagrant. I'm probably just going to use Finch and Cat and Delo's post game audio to kind of let them explain what they saw there. But in case you didn't get to watch the game, I'll set the scene here uh, from my perspective. So six minutes left in the third quarter. Ant attacks the basket, thinks he gets fouled, complains to the ref, uh, and the ref is probably a little bit too quick to the tech um, right there. And then Ant kind of gets closer to the ref, keeps talking, doesn't cool off. So the ref pops him with a second technical. He's ejected. In my opinion, the ref shouldn't have called the first one. And then when Ant continued to kind of come at him and keep talking, I think it's fair to give him a tech then. Clearly, I thought clearly it was too quick of a hook um, by the ref and that two technicals there were probably out of line. Um, But actually, before, (laughs) because we got a lot more to talk about uh, with the cat part of it, let's do Finch's response here to that play where Ant got the technical and yeah. And then we'll get into the cats, the cat stuff. That play was much more complicated. Here's Finch on Ant's double technical. In a, an emotional third quarter uh, with Ant and Carl uh, picking up technicals and getting ejected. What, what were any of the explanations that you got from officials as to why Ant was ejected? First of all, um, it's awfully quick from our point of view. Pardon? It looked awfully like an awfully quick ejection. So yeah, um, you know, it's uh, it's not often that you get ejected. You know, one outburst gives you two t two technicals, um, and you know they, he 
the, the referee um, uh, tried to explain that it was two separate incidents, but um, I didn't necessarily see it that way. But Something he might have said, perhaps? Yeah, I mean, obviously, apparently something that he said, but I haven't had a chance to talk to Ann about what it was. As you can kind of hear there with Finch's tone, he wasn't really taking the bait tonight. He didn't jump on the refs too much. I think what Finch said there kind of mirrored what probably most of us were thinking with two technicals probably being an overreaction by the ref, but one tech probably being fair. Uh, Finch did talk a lot post-game about the refs tonight and also just how this has kind of been a problem with the refs all season for the Wolves. He talked about how it's something they're not only working on with the players, but that they have refing consultants coming in that have come to talk to players and coach them through you know, what is a foul, what isn't, and just how they're being officiated. At the end of the day, you know, Jaden McDaniels and Carl Anthony Towns both have 143 fouls now in the season. The only players in the whole league who have more fouls this year are Jay Sean Tate and Jaron Jackson Jr. McDaniels on a per-minute basis is actually higher than those two guys. McDaniels has played 183 fewer minutes than Jackson and 94 fewer minutes than Tate this season. And Cat's kind of right there in Jackson's range. But no matter how you slice it, you know, two of the most prolific foulers in the league this season. But Finch did also say that he felt, quote, we didn't play well enough to win tonight. That's the bottom line. We have to be better in that department, and the calls will come when we play well enough to win. Finch was more aggrieved about the weird cat technical play that became a flagrant and a technical that somehow time warped the game back into the third quarter. I'll just play Finch on that cat sequence for you here. What was the explanation for for Carl taking the points off the board then giving him a flagrant? And, and... Well, uh, I'm not 100% clear on that. Um, I guess they went to the review to see if the shot was good. And then were able to determine that it was a flagrant somehow. Didn't even know that that was possible. Um, and then the, the technical to boot. How do you try to keep your cool under that, yeah. under that circumstance? How do you try to get these guys to just yeah, try and move on when they are getting these, these tough Well, muscles? I'm not sure I did keep my cool, to be honest with you. I was pretty frustrated, you know. Um, you know, I was frustrated with the uh, certainly some of the uh, technicals and those, those calls and non-calls. Um, and I was also frustrated with the way that we were playing overall, you know, a lot of frustration out there, uh, you know, kept saying, you know, we got a lot of game left to try to cut back into it, but we never really could get enough stops, you know. So for those of you who don't have Valley Sports North and weren't able to actually watch this game, I'll try and give you a scene setting here as well. Uh, the play Finch is referring to between Kat and Anyaka Kangwu came at the end of the third quarter, literally the last seconds of the third quarter. But it started to bubble up in the final minutes of the third when Akangwu blocked Kat's shot with two minutes left in the quarter. This was another play where Kat thought he got fouled on the drive. So Kat is, he's ticked at the ref on that call. Plus, Akangwu said something like, give me that shit or whatever when, when he blocked it. Kat took that personal, clearly. Uh, because then, at the end of the quarter, for a buzzer beater, Kat hits this Dirk-like fadeaway on Akangwu and he starts you know, kneeling or kind of leaning over a Kanwu and talking to him. And, you know, I mean, I, I understand the desire by Kat there to talk 
you know, after some young player had just been talking to you, I think we all would have talked in that situation. And I think we all probably would have got a technical for it. You know, that might be a, a dumb rule, but the league, for some reason, is super anti-taunting. So related to that, I think the first question here, before we even get to the flagrant rant, the flagrant randomly being thrown in there is, you know, why didn't a Kangwu get attacked two minutes before for talking shit to Kat? And, you know, maybe he should have. Maybe that was just missed by them. But at the same time, I think it's pretty uncommon that players get taunting technicals for blocking a shot and saying, give me that shit. Like, that happens most every game. I say that to say I think Kat's taunting in response was more noticeable and probably more deserving of a tech. Personally, I'm fine with the tech part of this whole situation on Kat. The flagrant they found on the review is the bad part. And it was certainly the costly part of the, the interaction. By the refs deciding to review Kat's technical as a hostile act, and then on the review deciding that it was also a flagrant, that not only took Kat's two points off the board, but it gave a Kongu two free throws because it was ruled a flagrant. Right there, that's a four-point swing. And a five-point swing if you include the technical that Gallinari shot and made. That five-point swing at the end of the quarter made, made it so it went from being what we thought was a 95-103 to 103 game to instead being a 93-106 to 106 game at the end of the third. An eight-point deficit turning into a 13-point deficit is pretty big. That's a very different landscape for the Wolves as you go into the fourth quarter. Cat, he didn't really want to touch on the topic after the game. He just said he'd never seen anything like it before, and he said he didn't really want to talk about it because he said you get fined for telling the truth. And, you know, that's that's fair. I understand that in frustration. But D'Angelo Russell explained the chaos as just you know, not making any sense to him. He kind of he kind of brought it up unprompted, actually, when he was just asked about the Hawks' second-half run. So here's D'Lo on a play he seemed very, very confused about. For us, it was it was about when are we going to stop? When are we going to get stops? And we never came to that point of the game. We just kept scoring and scoring and scoring. And by that time, they were the home team, so they got the calls they wanted. Those calls affected the game. And then the refs made up some stuff throughout the game. And it was all over the place, honestly. I didn't know. It was a few plays that I'm not saying it was the refs, but I'm saying it was a few calls that just kind of like, like it was a play. I don't know if it was a flagrant or a jump ball or into the court. We went back to the quarter. Like I'd never seen that before. So I, it was just things like that that just kind of, it was the cherry on the top for them and their run. Just to clarify, D'Lo, you're talking about maybe that cat play at the end of the third? Yeah, where, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never seen nothing like that. And yeah. it still doesn't make sense, and we still don't know what happened, but they figure out, they figured it out in a short amount of time and made it make sense, you know, for the Hawks. It didn't make sense for us at all. And there was no explanation for it, so it is what it is. D'Lo was also asked about the fallout from the play and just Cat's sort of fiery antics in general, like, Obviously, those two are close. So I think when D'Lo describes Kat's antics, if we're going to call him that, as costing the team sometimes, I think it it does come... I don't think it comes from a bad place. probably a good place. But I think he's also just being real, you know, and kind of witnessing what we're all witnessing and 
when he describes here that that cats kind of being rah rah is something that occasionally crosses a fine line. I thought these were interesting and fair comments from D'Lo talking about the team's best player, just kind of needing to figure this out himself. Here's D'Lo talking about when asked about Cat. Carl liked that shit. Carl liked that. Yeah. Yeah. No, nah, I'm saying like it, he likes the that 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 rah rah. You know what I mean? Um, and I realize he likes that, but it's it's a fine line between where it it affects the game you know so i realized he liked that because every game is or every other game we might be dealing with it you know so i mean i mean you can i mean you can do as you, you you can say as much as you want but i can't do it for him so and he's a smart guy he knows what he's doing he knows you know, um, what he's saying, it's just the, it, it might affect the team, you know? So, like I said, it's a fine line of being solid, you know, when you need to be solid. And there's a time to be rah-rah and rowdy with the refs and whoever you're battling against. But figuring out that time where it doesn't affect the team too, you know? So. I think that's a pretty interesting answer. I, I guess that's probably just what this is. You know, Cat has to be solid more often. The interesting part to me in the way Delo views it is that it's kind of all on Cat, right? Like he has to be the one to decide to make the change. His teammates, his good friend, even, you know, he can't ultimately stop Cat from crossing that line. And I mean, they can try and calm him down. Finch can try and calm him down. And Finch can try and use these ref consultants to try and educate the players, educate Cat. But ultimately... Like, this is on Cat. And if it is true that Cat kind of likes that stuff, that it fuels him, if it gets him going, then I think this is something that will constantly be a battle for him. It will then probably be something that bubbles up forever. But at the same time, I, I think the reasonable goal for Cat with all of this ref stuff, not just tonight, is that those bubble ups become fewer and further between. You know, there's plenty of guys throughout league history who have had ref problems their whole careers, who, who never really got in check. You know, right? Think back to the early 2000s, the Rashid Wallace's, the Ron Artest. But as I was just kind of thinking about it, the more recent one I think is is Demarcus Cousins. You know, it it's obviously injuries that have derailed Boogie's career lately. But before that, when he was one of the most dominant centers in the league, there was there was an element of this to his game, and it was something that ultimately held him and it held the Kings back because Boogie just crossed that fine line too often. I also think the Boogie one kind of works because part of it for both Boogie and Cat, I think is just being a center and the physicality of the position. I think that wears on you. I mean, centers get beat up more than anyone and they get the fewest calls because when they do drive an attack and when it's on a smaller player, it's just kind of counterintuitive to the refs to call a foul in the same way if it was a same-size player and a same-size player, even if it is a foul. I think that wore on Boogie Cousins. I think that wears on Cat. And, and that's big picture. Tonight, I do think Cat got the short end of the stick. Like, if you, even outside of that one play, this probably was a night where there were more times he was getting bumped and, and not getting called for him. On that one specific play, too, that was also the short end of the stick. Like, 
the timing and I think the way the refs managed it, that did not go in his favor. It was a bad beat. But at the same time, like this stuff looms as as a gray cloud between Towns getting from where he is to where he wants to be. And I think navigating that gray will determine where he goes as much as anything will in his career. All right, that's a lot of talk with no actual basketball talk. So let's mix in a quick break here and then come back to talk a little bit more about the actual game tonight. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back discussing the Wolves' 12-point loss in Atlanta on Wednesday night. The ant ejection and the cat flagrant technical is what stood out most in tonight's game, but, you know, that buries a few of the other important details from this one. You know, one detail is is Patrick Beverly. He sprained his ankle six minutes into the game, and he sat out the rest of the way. I mean, that is an important piece of the puzzle to take out. Finch, in his postgame, described Beverly's injury as an ankle tweak after the game. I mean, we'll see what that ends up meaning for Beverly in time, in terms of time missed or not missing anything. The good news there is that the Wolves have three days off between this Atlanta game and their next game at home against Brooklyn. It would obviously be really helpful to have Pat Bev in that game to guard Kyrie Irving. Just overall kind of thinking about Pat Bev's injuries this season. Um, this was the 32nd game out of 45 that Beverly has been able to play in this year. There's been some nagging injuries and COVID that have cost him 13 games. And I guess he was also one of those games. He was suspended for the season opener. Um, Beverly's, the nagging injury part uh, has been that groin. He's eight missed eight total games with it. I think it was six games and then two games. He also missed the sixth game of the season. I don't remember what that specific injury was. And then he missed three games with COVID. So, Overall, that's that's 12 games missed for him this season. And, you know, injuries happen. Unfortunately, none of those injuries for Beverly have been all that serious. Like, I think the in and out of the lineup with Beverly is more of a concern for beyond this season, right? Like, 
Beverly is an unrestricted free agent this summer. Next year, he'll be 34. And naturally, you would you would just feel a little bit better about re-signing him if he had had a good health season this year. Thus far, you know, that, that hasn't happened. I also just think almost, well, removing the health stuff to some degree, I just think the proposition of Beverly long-term is really interesting. You know, it's a really interesting situation as it kind of plays into timelines of this team for the big picture right like on one hand probably the more dominant hand Beverly's just been awesome this season obviously he's he's played a huge role in, in setting the culture and I think he deserves almost as much credit as Finch does for the Wolves being a top 10 defense this season not even just from what he brings as an individual defender but just kind of in how he's made the whole roster care about defense I mean that's often the hardest part right I think it's I think it says something that even with Beverly only making 31% of his threes this season after being close to a 40% guy over the last six years, I think Beverly's still been a positive on both sides of the floor. On the other hand, I think giving Beverly a new contract this summer is a really, it's a really strong commitment to this window of the Wolves, right? Like signing Beverly would really signal a belief in the Cat, Ant, and D'Lo core long-term. Which certainly looks like a you know a better bet that core does than it than it did before this season, but at the same time there's still questions about how exactly they're going to build out this core and and who's going to be part of it long term. Cat is eligible to extend his contract this summer, and so is D'Lo. And I just think you kind of need to know the plan with those two before you go down a tier to Pat Bev, right? If Cat and D'Lo get locked up, if you've determined that the window is now, then yes, like Patrick Beverly should, I think, almost certainly be a part of it. Then, then he should be back. But I just think you need to resolve the Cat and D'Lo parts first. So when we talk about like right now, like right now, right now, Patrick Beverly is could sign a contract extension in the middle of the season. But I think it would just be better to know more, particularly about what's happening with Cat this summer. And does he get all NBAs at the Supermax? Is it just a, is a normal max? Like, is he even going to sign in general? Is he going to wait? Like, those things are really critical, I think, before you go and start considering a really important 34-year-old, 34-year-old role player. As far as tonight goes, they, they really could have used Pat Bev, particularly in that third quarter. One is just an on-the-floor kind of calming vet presence, but also just to guard Trey Young. I mean, Trey had seven points at halftime and he had 30 by the end of the third quarter and 37 by the end of the game. I mean, that's 30 points in the second half of a game the Wolves didn't have Beverly in. I guess that right there is one signal of Beverly's impact. I mean, Trey scored a bunch, but he he really did just pick apart the Wolves' defensive coverages. It was similar to the last time the Wolves played the Hawks. They just kind of exploited something different. It was where Trey knew that Cat was coming up to show with that high wall defensive coverage. And I think Trey has been the one player this season who has exploited that high wall coverage probably best. Paul George did it uh, well a couple times with the Clippers, and so did Cole Anthony in that one uh, Magic game. But George and Anthony, they kind of did it by splitting the pocket with their their dribble and attacking the middle of the Wolves' defense, kind of going between their defender and Cat coming up for that high wall. What Trey does, Trey doesn't do that. What he does is he he stretches Cat way out laterally, right? He he gets the high screen and then he drags Cat 
as far as he can to the sideline, and he does it on the strong side. So by doing that, Cat's man, the, the screener, can ca- kind of just like slowly roll, trickle down in front of the basket and wait for Trey to find a window to throw it to them there under the basket. There's a good amount of that tonight with Collins and Akongwu getting those dump-offs or lobs. And it's just really hard for the Wolves to compensate for that given the shooters that Atlanta surrounds that action with, right? Like if you're Jalen Noel or Malik Beasley and you you are that low man or you want to help down to tag on that roller, there's just more of a risk when when you're leaving Kevin Herter or you're leaving DeAndre Hunter than open for a three. It it it's a predicament in in the coverage and and Trey Young just exploits that really well. Not to mention just his ability to pull up from anywhere as he did tonight or to run off of screens and you know create just create looks for himself in that sort of way. He's just a very tough matchup for this Wolves team. And when the Wolves don't have Pat Bev to guard him at the point of attack, it's just, it's tough. Neither McDaniels or Okogi could credibly fill that duty tonight. I asked Chris Finch about the coverage on Trey tonight after the game. Here's Finch. Chris, a uh, big night from Trey Young, but it was kind of in um, fits and starts. What what coverages were working against him and, and what parts of your coverage coverages weren't working tonight? Uh, well, you know, we uh, we got kind of strung out a little bit. Got hurt at the rim on some lobs, and you know the low man, our low man just didn't didn't stay in long enough. Uh, we tried, you know, we tried everything. We 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 switched at times. Um, you know, we played some zone on them. We we switched the matchups. We stayed we stayed in coverage, and that was our game plan was to kind of keep shuffling it up a little bit on them. Um, but you know, then everything else was bad too. Like the ball contained when we did have it out of his hands you know they were driving us um and uh you know and and we weren't able to catch or cut off those drives well enough this will not go down as one of the wolves better defensive games this season Uh, according to cleaning the glass the wolves third loss of the season against the clippers was their worst defensive game of the year and i think in terms of points per possession that this one uh, will probably be up there as well they gave up 129 points to the clippers that night uh, and they gave up 134 to the Hawks in regulation. I, I don't know how the possessions broke down, but uh, it, it's going to be up there. And for me, thinking about it, a concern I have with the defense immediately going forward is that the Wolves' D has been a little streaky this season, right? Like for the good and for the bad. They have a tendency to string together good defensive performances, and they also have a tendency to string together bad ones. And, you know, looking at the upcoming schedule it's it's pretty daunting particularly from a quality of the offensive opponent opponent that's coming in the next six are the nets blazers warriors suns jazz the nuggets all six of those teams are above league average in offense and the worst offensive rating of that group is actually the warriors which is obviously not exactly a cup of tea if steph is playing in that game i i think the hope is that this game is, you know, kind of serves as a wake-up call before this difficult six-game stretch that's coming up, more than it is a game where frustration from the result and the way that it was officiated kind of sinks in. Hopefully it's a wake-up call. All right, let's close out tonight with prize picks. I went 3-1 and one tonight. I got a cheapie uh, by taking the under on four and a half assists for Patrick Beverly. I figured, you know, back-to-back, whatever, he'll play fewer minutes. 
Um, that was right, I guess, because Beverly only played six minutes before getting hurt. He still get did get two assists in those six minutes, so it was not tracking well, but we got that one correct. Um, I took the over on 17.5 points for D'Angelo Russell. His offensive game is just really locked in lately. He had 18 by halftime and finished the game with 31. Over his last seven games, Russell is averaging 21.5 points per game and 8.5 assists. He's shooting 46% from three over that time and 68% from two. That is uh, really good. I, I also took the over on 23.5 points for Cat, but the under on 5.5 made free throws. I thought this would be a game where the Hawks would come out in single coverage on Cat, which they did, and that he would kind of be able to exploit those one-on-one matchups. Cat uh, made every shot he took in the first half. He had 12 points at halftime. He was trending in the right direction, but that third quarter was obviously chaos, and it kind of led to, you know, it was just played into a, a real down half for Cat. Cat only had five points in the second half. He also had five fouls in the second half and ended up fouling out of the game. We did get the under on his uh, his free throws, though. He only made four. So that's three and one on the night. Uh, 88, 79, and six on the season for me. Uh, if you're not already playing prize picks, a reminder that you can do these over-under picks for any game, not just, not just the Wolves. There's plenty of NBA games over these next three days. The Wolves are off. But also, you can play prize picks for the NFL. It's kind of, I guess, a way to extend your fantasy football season into the playoffs, something to to track in those NFL games. If you do not already have a prize pick a prize picks account, you can make one by downloading their app. And when you do, uh, using the promo code Dane, just my first name, gets you a one hundred dollar sign up bonus. All right, this was a very long podcast for a very weird game. Uh, I'll be talking about it more tomorrow. I'm sure Britt will have some opinions on this one as well. And the two of us will be recording on Thursday afternoon. So that with Britt will be in your feed on Thursday evening, uh, which will carry your Wolves listening until Sunday evening. If you if you want to dive into that when, uh, yeah, when on Sunday night, the Wolves play Brooklyn. This game might have been annoying, but you, you got to give it to the Wolves. They are keeping things a lot more interesting this season than they did a year ago. Uh, it's a whirlwind, and we'll keep we'll keep rolling with it. Keep going tomorrow with Brit. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace. Out.